0: Hello everybody and welcome to the unit report. I'm Lucas. I'm here with Troy. It is Thursday, September 10th, 2020. It's our first afternoon show. I'm so used to doing it in the moonlight with your uh, beautiful eyes there, Troy. But today we're doing an afternoon show. We have a lot to talk about. We have a lot of hockey stuff to talk about. Possible Chris Latang trade, question mark, question mark. That's going to be a big one. Uh, some baseball stuff. The Braves went absolutely Bazanga on uh, the Marlins last night, destroying them. NFL starts, <laughs> The NFL starts tonight, and there's a bunch of stuff sprinkled in there. So let's just get right into it. Uh, we're down to four teams now in the NHL. Uh, Tampa Bay and the Islanders are in the Eastern Conference Final against Dallas Vegas. Right now, Tampa's up 2-0 to the Islanders, and their first game was an absolute... I, I don't even have a word for it. Eight to two. Eight to two, they beat them. And then the second game, Tampa won with seconds left, just two to one. Where do you see this series going, Troy? Because it looks like Tampa's got a pretty good uh, hold of it. Um, yeah, at this point,
1: I th- it, it, it's really weird how this goes. Because if you look at the shots, it seems like for a lot of these games is it has been like very heavily on one side. And I think that's what happened in game one between um, Tampa and the Islanders. But then I believe yesterday the Islanders really took charge and like, I guess the first half of that game and then it the playing field kind of leveled off. And then it was with what, like seven seconds after or something. That was mm-hmm. the game winner. I think and it was yeah. like seven or eight seconds. Yeah. But it seems like if you look at like shots wise, I noticed that especially about this round is it's been super heavily on one side. hmm But um I don't know, I feel like at this point a two nothing lead, as long as Tampa doesn't do something stupid, I think it's I I I mean it's a two nothing lead's a two nothing lead, but
0: I think it's pretty astonishing because the entire playoffs and basically all this season, and I guess last season too, the Islanders big thing was being like this defensive stalwart. Like they play a system that it's really hard to score goals on. That was going into the series. That was the thing that was having me lean a little kind of get, I I always like my brain always thought Tampa was going to win, but I gave New York the benefit of the doubt a little bit because they're like, Oh, they, they won't allow many goals. And then the first game they go and let up eight. (laughs) So uh if that's their thing that they play with and they like, if that's their big system and then they'll let up eight goals in the first game, it's going to be hard to prove that they can win this. I, I give them another game. I give them a game. I say Tampa is probably going to finish this off in five. Now I probably would have said six at the beginning of the series, but Tampa's good at everything. And New York is good at one thing. So I think that's what pushes them over.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, Tampa's done what? Two forwards at the moment, two.
0: Tampa's been without Stamkos the entire playoffs, I think, and yeah, but maybe else. One more guy's gone. I'm gonna have to look at that. Let me see.
1: Yeah, I mean that's pretty good if you can have two forwards gone. One of them's one of your star players. I mean, you got to give them credit for that, I guess. But On the yeah, spot- I don't know. I kind of thought. The Islanders would put up, like, I mean, in all fairness, they scored with, like, eight seconds left, but still, it's just, like, even after game one, you kind of thought that they would have changed something, like, drastically, because now you're down 2 nothing. so you're kind of, like, at the point of where your head is the only thing that's above the water at this point.
0: Yeah, according to on a bunch of sources on I, I was looking at, it says Braden Point was also injured in the game yesterday. So that's something to look out for because in Stamkos's, uh absence, he's been the guy. He's been the number one center for that team. And he's crazy good. He's had an unbelievable playoff run, and he's such a finesse kind of guy, and he's able to control the game. It's kind of interesting that he's um, – if he might what happens with him if he's injured too because they're already without stammer and then if they lose point that's that's a big blow to the team. But they're one of those teams kinda like the the penguins of like four or five years past that they always have like a next man up mentality. You could kind of plug anyone in and they it always seems like the system still goes, it still runs pretty well. So I, I I'm saying Tampa still run, runs with this. Yeah. yeah, I
1: don't I I think Tampa just has so much talent and so many like players that can kind of, that they're really like plug and play. Like look at Hedman for his size. He's pretty quick. And I don't know. It just seems like, like on any other team, you have one of those big guys and they kind of only do like they're, they're just a third defensive defenseman and that's it. Like that's all they do. Whereas he's kind of, he's definitely one of the more well-rounded, I guess, bigger guys. And he's good at it. So that I feel like having a couple of them is definitely what's giving the lightning the edge on this one.
0: I don't think he gets enough credit. I think everyone always credits like uh, the bigger named defenseman and like maybe larger markets, kind of like a Dowdy or Weber, Petrangelo, those guys. But Hedman is like, I think because there's so much talent on that team, he's so underappreciated. But he's he's a big part of that team and he he's so talented and he's definitely going to be one of those guys that uh, if they do end up winning it at all, it's on, on his back, you know? Um, yeah, I
1: feel like Tampa's the team where it's, like, they have really, like, I, I don't know if I would call them star players, but they're, like, just on that border, and they have a bunch of them, and that's kind of what is doing it for them.
0: And they've been able to hold on to all of them, too, like, for, like, this long.
1: Exactly. Like, they're not, like, your, I don't know, like, your Crosby and Ovechkin type thing, but, like, they've been they've managed to fill the team with very notable players. If that makes sense
0: oh yeah i got you so So, you
1: don't really have like i guess at this point you don't really have like a star player it's more you have a line
0: and their like number one guy for the longest time was stamkos and he's been so injured recently like and they've still been able to succeed without him so that goes to show you that just how good of a team they are
1: yeah
0: next series out west um is dallas vegas series is tied 1-1 the first game uh they decide to start flurry against my better judgment personally i would have went with leonard and they lose 1-0 so uh they get they give uh flurry absolutely zero goal scoring support there and then the next game leonard goes in and slams the door and gets the w so even though flurry only let in one you have to go with the hot hand you have to go with leonard i've been saying that for the longest time but this Yeah, he,
1: I think that's been their um, that's been like their go-to for the entire playoff run. That's what started this whole drama.
0: Yeah, and then his his agent went and posted the stupid picture of him with the sword through him, and started all the drama. But I feel I don't care about feelings. You go with the guy who's winning the games and like allowing literally nothing, and that's Robin Leonard. That is not marc Andre Fleury. So the team plays better when Leonard's in net. So I say go with Leonard. Leonard's won, uh he won his game, Fleury lost his. So it's one one Dallas, Vegas. Um on paper, Vegas seems like the better team by a lot. But Dallas has been holding their own in these games. The, the game that uh they lost it wasn't what was it like two to one or something? I don't think it was
1: What do you mean the game that they it was one
0: the game that Vegas, the game that uh Dallas lost. They lost the last game three nothing. It was it was a three nothing? Okay, but I mean, yeah, they have, they were on such a goal scoring like onslaught for like the last two rounds, and now they're having trouble producing anything. But I still I still have a belief in them. Kind of like I have like a little bit of hope in the Islanders. I have more hope though in Dallas because Dallas seems like the better team, and they're able to. Uh, they have that defensive kind of mindset as well, but they, they have scored a lot of goals recently, just not in these past two games. So I still have a belief that they will be able to get push it at least to six, maybe But ultimately I have Vegas going up against Tampa in the final. And at this point, probably going to be a six game series, but not if they can't get their shit together, it could, this could be over in five. What do you think?
1: Um, I don't know. See, this is the series where I feel like the teams are definitely, like, the, I guess that gap is a lot smaller than the last series, where I feel like it's going to be, like, if you took Tampa and the Islanders defense for defense, you could probably make that a level playing field. But then it's everything else is what's going to put Tampa over, where this team, I feel like it's sort of like, if you're rating them, they're all with, they're all so close. Like, one maybe leaps the other by far, but then... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just, I feel like this, I could see this one going to like, I, I either see really see this being done in five or being done in seven. Because someone, someone is either A, going to step up to the plate and pretty much win the next two, go up three to one, and then that's going to be it. Or this is going to be the same thing where it's going to go two, one, two, two, three, two, and then we're going to end up in seven. It's just a matter of. I don't know. This is the one where I, I think I have the most uncertainty with who's going to, I guess, end up pulling away with this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, the. Vegas, whenever they went on their cup run, they were a bunch of, like, nobodies, a bunch of, like, second, third line guys, and that just, it just gelled together and made this magical team. And, uh, they end up losing to the Capitals, obviously, in the final. But, um, now they start they have some bigger names now they got mark stone who is like an unbelievable player like this i think i've been saying he's a great player for the past like two a few years but this playoffs he's been on a national stage and it's been his coming out party like he has been unbelievable defensively he's so great at winning puck battles that guy's insane and he's definitely their top guy and then you can match him up with who's dallas's top guy with sagan ben one of those guys it's start it's like you were saying, they could probably go like player for player here, but Vegas just seems like I, there's some. I I just always have like I, I hold them in higher regard. I think right now to, than to Dallas. I think they they just are a better like team than Dallas. I I I gotta say Vegas wins it. I don't see Dallas being able to get get away from Vegas.
1: See, I'm looking at it this way because I believe last round both teams had a three to one lead. Correct.
0: Yeah, and then they I believe yeah, up.
1: both teams were up three to one and then it, they both ended up in game sevens. Yeah. And it just how that ended, that ended a little bit differently. Vegas shutting the Canucks out three nothing and then the um Dallas overtime thriller. So that's kind of where I'm like on the border with this, because this the exact same scenario happened with both teams and we have the same result that ended that ended up putting them here. So that's why I'm kinda of like if someone runs away with it and a three to one, like they've already done this before.
0: Yeah, my idea off of that was is like I think that if anything, it would be like a shot for shot kind of a series where it goes Dallas Vegas, Dallas Vegas, Dallas Vegas, or whatever. Because uh, if that if that's the I think that that's the kind of thing that can happen with these teams because they gave up big leads. I don't think either of them want to. Like, I mean, if they get in that lead position. You got you to sh- shut it out as quick as possible.
1: But I think Colorado looked significantly better than Vancouver did. So, see what I mean? I, I don't know. I thought they overall looked a lot better than Vancouver did. But I also didn't watch as many of those games because those were the super – I think I, the super late games. Yeah. At least for us. I think I only watched two of those. But I think Colorado was the better team. And they came back and Dallas still ended up winning in game seven overtime. But, like – I don't know. This is where I think this is probably the hardest one, I guess, we've had to pick yet.
0: Here's my thing about that, though, is that like Colorado was – they were down so many guys by the end of it. They were they were hobbling into that Game 7. Even though they willed, they willed themselves to the Game 7, they were not 100% or anywhere near close to it. Where Vancouver, it seemed like everything was going right for them. So, like, on paper, if you're looking at their rosters, yeah, Colorado was the harder opponent – but Van, but they were so damaged and so, like, barely there, while Vancouver just skyrocketed above everybody's expectations. So I think it's a little closer than people think it is. But, no, I do, I do get what you're saying. Like, Nathan McKinnon is better than any player on Vancouver, maybe in, in Canucks history. Like, that's how good he is. So yeah. I wouldn't want to go up against him in a seven-game series. So I get what you're saying. And the fact that Dallas was able to get to this point is pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I just can't I can't call this one yet. That's the thing. It's like I don't know. I guess I'm kind of leaning toward that Vegas side, but it, I I this one's really
0: a coin flip for me. I think I just want a Vegas Tampa Cup final. I
1: think that's what everyone wants, and that's the problem because I don't think anyone wants to see. I don't know. I feel like that's yeah, that's definitely like the series that everybody wants because it's been like. Tampa's been right there for so long, so like I think everyone wants to see them finally make that leap and get in, and then Vegas, it's been, it seems like they became, I guess, a franchise. It's been like, they made it so close, they made it so close, they made it so close.
0: Yeah, Um, and also like one of the best games I'm tr- I was trying to find like exactly when it was and what the score was but one of the best games of the was it the 2018 season I think it was the inaugural season for the Golden Knights was the uh I think it was like a December January game and it was against the Tampa Bay Lightning and it was a tie game all throughout and then with seconds left Shea Theodore hit a walk-off he just he scored and like the that Vegas crowd went absolutely bonkers it was a crazy game to watch and I watched like I think like the final half of it And that, that just, and I remember like seeing that and then thinking as the playoffs were going on that year, I was like, imagine if we get seven games of Tampa, Vegas, because those are just two so talented teams and teams that play so well that like all around, like from offense all the way to the net, both of those teams have it all. So it would be an absolutely all-star final if we can finally get that series. And to be perfectly honest, New York uh, and Dallas are kind of boring teams, they're not as electrifying as. Yeah, they are. I
1: think the Islanders are pretty. Yeah, I could say that about the Islanders. I don't know as much about Dallas though, because it seems like they're kind of starting to like, like they, because they, they were on that hump of like mediocrity there for a while, and then they ended up making a few deals. I think it was like two, two or three years ago. They ended up getting like, removing some of their like key players, but I think they're starting to like get their act together. At least it's been the past couple seasons.
0: Well, for the longest time, they needed a goalie. They had uh, carry Lettinen. They had uh, who was who was after Carey Lettinen? I don't even remember. They had anti Niemi for a while. Yeah, they had him. Um, and then finally, they went out and uh, they traded and acquired Ben Bishop. And ever since he's been there, it seems like their biggest problem is, is like is no is no more. But now it's been – they've been more of a defensive team and offense has been their problem, at least this season it was. And then you look at last series where they scored five goals essentially every game. So, yeah. it's a very streaky team. And, I mean, if they get hot here, which they did last series, I could easily see them taking this. But I'm leaning towards Vegas.
1: I feel like – star. yeah. I feel like everyone wants to see the star, like stars and – um. Like Tampa, just because I f- I feel like I would rather see that just because of like the same situation. Like it's been, like they're decent, pr- fairly a good like well well rounded team, and I feel like the stars are like one notch underneath them offensively. Whenever they're really up and going, mm-hmm. like I feel like they're one notch under Tampa because they don't have all the star players, but they've somehow managed to make it work this far. I feel like that would be one hell of a series to see but I, I don't know I feel like I'd rather see that over the Vegas thing just because of like I guess it would be I think that would be the better series but I feel like since the Knights it's just like the whole the whole story with them becoming a team team and then they ended up being this good and they have I guess quite a few big name players I feel like that would be the better story at the end of the day if they ended up winning it but I, I think Play wise, I would much rather see the stars and the lightning just because they are so similar. And I think the stars are like a notch under the Tampa level. But I mean, the stars have been showing they can keep up with the big guys so far. So
0: it's true. I wouldn't have predicted did take out be- a
1: number two Colorado team.
0: I wouldn't have predicted them to be in the final four. Definitely not.
1: No, but I don't think anyone really expected any of this. So
0: now here's the question on everybody's mind, Troy is when the Tampa Light, Tampa Bay Lightning win the cup and have their parade, because you know they will, they don't care about COVID, will you be in attendance? No. You won't take the drive over?
1: I did the drive last year for fun, but I don't know. I've done the Penguins parades.
0: It wouldn't be as – you're not as dedicated to the Lightning as you are. The yeah, Penguins.
1: I don't know. I mean, I have a friend over there. I don't even think he would go, but it's just – I, I don't know I don't like I don't care if the Penguins don't win then it's whatever but yeah no I'm not going over there.
0: Okay, see look look at you being smart I like it that that that's safety one zero one right there.
1: Yeah, but it's okay if we're if we're gonna go on that I guess supposedly the governor completely off topic the governor is encouraging people to um they want people to vacate. From what I heard is they want people in Florida to vacation around Florida to help boost the economy. And then they want people to now start traveling back to Florida. So Florida just continues being the COVID pull that it has been for, I don't know, whatever. I'm, I'm just waiting for the email sending us home at this point. I really am.
0: In every sense of the word, Florida is a swamp.
1: Florida is basically what how, I, how I've been trying to describe this. Is Florida was Florida decided to do whatever every what every other state did, and then they kind of everyone got used to the whole the whole like new lifestyle and stuff, and then Florida just pulled the ultimate Florida. And that is why Florida will forever be known for Florida man and everything else. Florida pulled a Florida.
0: And luckily enough you have the honor and privilege to uh, reside there half of the year. Oh,
1: yes. I, I have the luxury of being in Daytona Beach with, you know, I think last week we had good old truck week, and they had the NASCAR race down here, and I don't know.
0: Well, that's – I think that's everything for the Final Four. It's going to be exciting. Tonight we get game – Vegas. Yeah, we get game, game three. three of three of Vegas. In Dallas, so that'll be fun. Uh, Next big thing we have to talk about is the Latang trade rumors. Now, going into this week, uh, obviously, ever since we acquired Kapanen and the article came out saying that the Penguins weren't going to be a cap team this year, something had to give. There has to be some guy that's going to go that makes big money. Uh, I was on the side of Hornquist for a while, but not, nothing's been really talked about there. And then uh, Rob Rossi of The Athletic Pittsburgh releases an article uh, basically saying that Chris Latang is all but prepared to be moved. He has had discussions and apparently it's, he said it's been on his mind since like 2012, 2013. However, he... He it finally it's gotten to the point now where he believes that it's inevitable and it's going to be a pretty immediate his 7.25 million dollar cap hit is The third largest on the team. So moving him would obviously open up a lot of space, but it also opens up a gaping hole in the top two right handed defensive spot. So not exactly sure what's going to happen there, but Rob Rossi's a pretty trusted reporter here in Pittsburgh. And he got got a lot of his quotes directly from Chris Letang. And uh, Rutherford's been gauge, uh, gauging interest around the league for Letang. He'd be quite the guy for a lot of teams. He'd probably be the top the, like, the top pairing right-handed defenseman on at least half of the uh, teams around the league. So what do you think here, Troy? Do you think Tanger gets moved? do
1: um, I... I don't know because this is the thing is I I don't think in a million years anyone could have imagined that we would have been having this conversation but he's had a he's been he has it doesn't seem like he's really been himself the past few years especially in like playoffs hes it's either been a huge hit or a huge miss so I don't want to say he's going to get traded, but I think if this was the year, this is going to be the year. Like, I don't really see – I see he's either, A, gone this year, and I, because he's kind of at the um, stage of where it's like if he's going to stick around and he re-signs, that's probably really going to be it for him. But I don't know. He's been I, – I don't know if this is quite the shakeup that the team needs. Because, yes, it would gain them a bunch of cap space, but they're also starving defensively right now. Mm-hmm. So this is where i would kind of like, I feel like they're going to end up getting rid of like, I see this going one of two ways. They're going to either A, make this move, get rid of Letang, and then pull in a couple people to throw on that, I guess, second line. They're going to get a couple second pair defensemen and just hope that that works out overall. Or I think it's going to end up being a couple forwards or something, and that's how they're going to end up making up for it.
0: I'm looking at their uh, cap-friendly page right now, and without uh, McCann signed, who also has been talked about, about being traded, he's an RFA. Without him being signed, without Schultz, without Murray, Jari, um, and a couple other less significant guys, we are currently seven mil about seven million under uh the the cap ceiling so uh moving him would obviously open up a lot of space and allow for uh us to be a little more active in free agency and move money around but you look at um who is it the sixth highest paid forward on the penguins is nick bukestad i think there's been a lot talked about him. He's making 4.1 just for next year, and then is, it's expired. I think if you can move him, and then it, it I like I said, Horningfist. There's a there's some. I don't know how many teams want him, but he brings like a level of grit and experience that not that like a lot of those young uh, like offensive teams, kind of like the Leafs, could really use. I don't think that they can handle that much money, but I that between Hornqvist and Bukestad, that's 9.4 million dollars. I'd much rather lose the two of them than Chris Letang.
1: See, my thing is, this is the thing that I have with Hornquist, is Hornquist is like, he's one of those players where he's like the, um, I, I don't know how to put it. Like, he needs to be on the line with a star player. Like, that is kind of just how his gameplay works. Like, he's a stand-in-front-of-the-net he's kind of like the ultimate assistant, if that makes sense. And that's kind of what he needs. Like he needs to go, he needs to go almost play next to like, he like a McDavid or something. or someone of that caliber. Like that's kind of where he thrives in that environment. And I just don't know how many teams are going to be able to pay that much. I mean, 5.3 is a good chunk of change.
0: Especially, for him. especially that the cap since the cap isn't going to go up at all uh, for the next couple of years because of COVID, how much money they all lost with COVID. They said it's going to be uh, a stagnant yeah. cap for the next, I think, two or three years. But I didn't even think of Edmonton. But when you put it like that, is that not the perfect guy to slot alongside of McDavid or Drysaddle?
1: That's what I mean. Is it's 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 going to be one of those like. You need one of those, like, basically big-name guys to put him next to because I don't really think sticking Hornquist in is, like, a second, third-line wing for if five-something million is really going to be, like, enticing to anybody.
0: You look at Edmonton, that's a a good idea. But also, like I said, I think uh, Toronto, you could slot him alongside of – Tavares or Matthews and that's for the longest time I think the Leafs have been they've been all skill and everything and they've gone like a full investment on skill but they need like a guy like Cornquist like an SOB in the playoffs a guy who's like gonna gonna slash you he's gonna like push you around he's gonna be in front of the net and slam home some goals off of some rebounds I know that's a hefty price and I don't think that they have the room for it, but if he's not the perfect kind of guy for that situation, but I mean, he's three years left at the 5.3 and he's already 33. So by the end of it, he's going to be 36 years old. It's going to be hard to get somebody to want to take that as much as I really want to move that contract as a penguin fan. I don't know how it works. Bukestad I think is a lot easier to move. He's 28 and he's a center and he has one year left. So I, but like I said though, I'd rather move either of them or both of them than lose Latang. Latang is way too. As much as he hasn't been a great performer, like defensively, especially in the bubble against Montreal, he looked pretty abysmal. He's the kind of like solid, like stalwart that you need back there. Like he, if you take him off, how how bad does our defense look? Looks terrible.
1: It's bad considering you have. If you're looking at the list. I mean I don't know. I mean it's like you have Schultz is gone. So you can Schultz is gone. Johnson is useless. So you're now looking at Doomlin and Pedersen and Marino Marino.
0: Marino is gonna Marino's gonna get a big payday next season. He's an RFA. That's and- what I
1: mean is it's like I I I don't know. Like I kind of Part of me says yes, keep him, but they're also so so hungry to get that to get someone else to stick on there. This is really where signing Jack Johnson at three point two is really starting to bend them over. Because this is the thing is like, do you keep LeTang and try to sign someone else in that couple million dollar range and make that work? Or is this whenever you're kind of like... Well, you make 7.2, so we'll get rid of you and then we'll try to sign some other guys for like three in that three and a half, four range and hope that works out because I kind of could see that really happening.
0: In all fairness, I think there are a good amount of right-handed defensemen that are unrestricted free agents this season. Let me take a peek. They have Bufflin, who hasn't even decided yet whether he's going to play or not. So. Yeah, I was going to
1: say. I think I don't think I think that I don't really see that happening. He just he doesn't fit in with the Penguins thing anyway.
0: And then after that is Petrangelo, which they're not going to have the money to sign. Not no, no
1: way. What's he going to get? Like nine?
0: He's, he's going to get around nine, I think. And uh, the top, like the team, I think there's a good chance he resigns with St. Louis but uh, Toronto and, and Buffalo have been in on him. And I think th- if either of those two teams can get him, my goodness, that's, he's a, that's a deadly player right there. And then after Petriangelo, you got uh, Schultz, who not coming back, Tyson Berry, who didn't have that great of a season in Toronto. And he's, I think he's just a worse version of Latang. He's not great defensively. He puts up like an okay amount of points, but that's not what, if you're replacing Latang with Berry, that's not that's not an upgrade at all. That 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 seems useless to me. And then after Barry is Tory Krug, uh, Andy Green, who they better not touch. tory Krug is going to want way too much money. He's probably going to be in like the seven seven and a half range. So th- I don't see them doing that. And he's left-handed. And if you're trading away Letang, you need a right-handed replacement. Um, Sammy Vatinen. I'm not too certain about him. He's definitely a downgrade from Letang. And then you have uh, Chris Tanev from Vancouver, who is a pretty is pretty good defensively. I wouldn't mind getting him, but again, he's not on Latang's level. There's a there's a divide there that they're missing, and uh, I I I just don't know how I feel about. There's nothing. There's a lot of me, like mediocre guys available, like Travis Haminick, Justin Braun, but they're not Latang. Even if Latang on Latang's worst day, he's still better than most of these guys.
1: Yeah, but then that's the thing is if you get rid of Latang, you're looking at two of these guys in the three to four mil range. But do you need two of these guys?
0: Because no. If, because if but you what look about at like
1: it, a what about like
0: a Radko Gudis? People bring up Radko Gudis. I don't know how I feel about him because he takes so many freaking penalties and he's he's more of a goon than anything. But I mean, like he's he's pretty good defensively, I guess. But here's my thing: take out Latang. The defense the, on the right side we have Ricola Marino, uh, Ruiel, Kevin Chet, Kirk, and that's it. Just those, just um, those guys. Oh, no, Ricola is, is, is no, left-handed. Never mind, I was wrong. Not Ricola. So you have two. You have without Latang, you have uh, Marino and Ruiel. That's it.
1: Yeah, but this is this is my thing. This is kind of where I'm at the divide on this.
0: Is Letang is an offensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. Can we agree on that? He's he leans offensive, yes. Yes.
1: So this is the thing. Is are the penguins good enough defend good enough offensively to where you can now drop the seven whatever, you're paying him to be a good offensive defenseman and kind of make that swap where you can get two, I guess, more traditional defensemen, where they're they're not quite on that defensive defenseman, but they're kind of in that middle of, like, they're not putting up a crazy amount of points, but they're pretty good at doing what they're playing defense, if that makes sense. Like, are they you do you think that we're at the point of where we're good enough where we can transition away from that having and just have the de- – like building a solid core defense, except that's kind of the only thing we do? Because keep in mind you have Crosby and Malkin and Getzel and, those, and all those guys. So if you can really put a lot of weight on those front two lines, I think they can pull it off.
0: Um. See what I mean? I'm trying to write out the uh, pairings here. If we get rid of Latang and like where where we could put everybody, because as much as I don't want them to play Johnson, you have to slot him in there because you know they're gonna play him. You have to. Oh, this sucks. I hate this I hate is the thing. So this, much. Is, this
1: is kind. This is kind of where I'm thinking. I don't know because when we first first brought this up, I was kind of like, I don't know, I don't think we'll trade him. But now looking at it this way. You need someone who is defensive, to defensive to play with Johnson. We can agree. I, I think we can both agree on that. Is you need someone that is defense, that is a defensive defenseman, and that is it to play with Johnson because he is basically going to have to fill a wall and a half.
0: Yes, I can agree with that. So
1: this is kind of the thing. This is where I kind of think you need to roll away from having the one offensive defenseman that you build around power plays and stuff and you kind of use the talent that you have left, and there's really good first two lines, and you're going to kind of have to make that work and then just use the defense for everything else. Like, you're going to kind of have to use the defense to solely give the pucks to the forwards, and then the forwards are going to have to figure out everything else. Because I'm thinking you can probably make Marino or something be – Shove him I think he'll be he can probably be on the power play. Um I don't really know who else you would put there, that's kind of the thing. So I I guess Doomlin or something.
0: I'm not even thinking about in terms of uh, special teams. I'm just thinking about straight pairings. No, I know
1: that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking pairings-wise, this might actually be a better idea to get rid of him because you're gonna need a solid core defense in the play with Johnston. And I think – because I believe they're doing that with Marino anyway, like having him go and play on the special teams for a little bit. Yeah. so
0: He's definitely talented enough. That's what I'm saying. You you, you you can put him – you can put on the power play, penalty kill, he'll be fine.
1: That's what I'm saying. I'm kind of thinking now that it's looking like a better idea to get rid of Letang and get two – you need one defensive defenseman, someone to play with Johnson. And then you need someone else who I guess is more in the middle – and I kind of think they're going to – they're gonna, it's going to put a lot more pressure on the offense. That's ultimately how this is going to kind of end because you can't – you're not going to have Latang where you can kind of like – you know how it, how it was where Latang gets it, he can take it in deep, and then they can kind of work from there. You're going to kind of – we're going to kind of have to go back to the crap of where we're topping it, the offense is picking it up, and then go from there.
0: It seems like this core of uh, forwards, like the Crosby-Mulkin – uh, core. They've always had kind of Letang, like as a crutch, like where they can always like...
1: That's what I mean, is I think they know at he's the point dead. of where... I think we're kind of at the point of where the Letang crutch needs to disappear. We can get a... I, I, I'm kind of thinking getting rid of him looks like the better option.
0: Well, here's the thing. I got the list of right-handed UFA defensemen up right now, and... If they want to stay under the cap, they have to. They're going to have to spend less on the two guys combined than they do on one Latang. So he makes seven point two five.
1: Yeah, but isn't the, the Schultz salary is gone?
0: Okay, so okay, yeah, but they still want to be under the cap. So I guess we'll use all of seven point two five. put I'll put seven five for whatever, just because we're already like we still have to re-sign like Jari and everything. But I'll put seven five. So. Petriangelo's a no, Barry's a no, Schultz is a no. Vatninn is a off, is more of like an offensive two way guy, so there is an idea there. I I'll, I'll write him. I'll just How put him. How much does he make? Currently, he well he's on Carolina. What's that he makes? Yeah, four yeah four eight seven five. I don't see him making much more than that. He I, I say he probably is going to make around four, especially with the fact that the salary cap's not going up. Um, but yeah, that. For him, that that's that for him. Not Cody CC. Cody CC's terrible. And then you look at Chris Tanov, who currently makes. Let's see how much he makes. He's somewhere in the four range too. I think. Yeah, four four five. He's probably going to make around that too. So I'm going to write him down. Tanov five. After that, you have Hamonic. Who's who's very defensive. Him and Tana are both very defensive defensemen. He's making currently on Calgary. Uh, three eight five seven. He's probably going to want around four though. i to write him down for four. Let's what see. about
1: like a Roman Polak or something to fill in?
0: Uh, I'm I'm not a big Pollock I'm not a big Roman Polak guy. I, I don't. Yeah, think I'm a,
1: just looking at it because you have him and, and Kirk.
0: Shatton, here's the thing about Shattenkirk because he's such an anomaly because the the contract he got from Tampa is su- he signed for low to go to Tampa. Like I know he, that's what is, I
1: mean. it's he's going to be in the two and a half? I would imagine.
0: I think his market values upwards to four or five. Man, he got you bought. Think? He got bought out of his contract with New York because New York like didn't want that money anymore, and he was making six point six six point six five. And he's supposed to be making it for the next two years. Then they bought him out because they didn't want the money anymore. And then he signs super cheap 175 in Tampa. If he wants to, he can make like four and a half five easy, I think. I don't think that he's a guy that the penguins are going to be able to afford, honestly.
1: I don't know, because your options are are either A, get something like him, get someone like him, and then I guess that would really stick the pressure on some of these other guys that were pulling out of works, Um
0: The one guy that I, I read an article, I forget who wrote it. It was um, the, the defenseman that we got in the, tra- the Kessel trade, Pierre-Oliver-Joseph. Um, uh, everyone's saying in the organization that they think he's ready for NHL minutes. So, But I think he's left-handed. So unless you plan on moving Johnson or Pedersen or Dumoulin, which you don't move Dumoulin, I don't think you can move the Pedersen contract and you can't really move Johnson. I'm not sure where exactly Joseph fits into the picture there. But um, but yeah, you just reminded me because you mentioned uh, Wilkes-Barre. I'm just writing down some of these names here and what I think they're going to probably get. Yan uh, Rutta, he's a guy, he's a uh, another Tampa guy, he's right-handed. I don't think he's going to make as much, he's not as defensive though, I don't know, uh, he, he kind of is, yeah. I'll give him like 2.53. Okay, so the list I've compiled, can I share my screen with you?
1: You should. Let's go down. Zoom, I'm so used to Zoom at this point in life, it's like.
0: Can you see my screen? Yes. Okay, so this is what we have here. This is what I have created. So, the top pairing is Dumo with question mark. Someone has to go there. I think you can put a guy that's a little more offensive with him. You, honestly, you could probably – you know what? I'm going to put Marino there. I'm putting Do you Marino think? There. Just for argument's sake. Because Dumo's defensive. Marino's he, – he's, he's really good defensively, but he can hold his own offensively. And if we're looking at defensive defensemen to pick up here, or, like, guys who lean defensive – uh, some it's gonna be one of these guys. So Patterson needs help defensively. He's he's good, but I think he can use one of these guys. On, you know what? Honestly, I'm kind of talking myself into liking Sammy Do You think? He's he's the kind of guy I think that you could pair with Dumoulin. Honestly.
1: See, see, I'm kind of thinking that what we're, I'm kind of leaning towards. We put um. Oh what was I going to say? I completely forgot.
0: He's a helpful oh, point. I'm kind of
1: thinking I'm kind of thinking we put like Johnson with like Marino or something.
0: See, I would consider that, but you're you're bringing down Marino so much.
1: I know, but I'm kind of thinking that cuz you can't put D'Wilin with Johnson. Cuz they're both Left-handed. They're, yeah, they're so both left easy. You
0: don't want to do that. What if you put, nah, you can't put Ruedel with them. Ruedel and Ricola, I'm thinking, are just going to be like the uh, extra pair guys.
1: Yeah, that, that's kind of a nice pairing. Um, This is the thing is I, I feel like you need to get, the, you need a defensive defenseman. Basically, no matter which way you pair this, you need to get a defensive defenseman from somewhere. That's really what this looks like. Because you know, even if you even if you move Marino and put him with Johnson, you still need that. You, you know what I mean? Because with Peterson, you you're in the same boat. You're you're in the you're in the exact same boat with Johnson and Peterson, except like Peterson, I think needs less help.
0: I, I agree. Yes. So
1: we're kind Man. of in the boat where you need. Yeah, that's that's where this hurts.
0: So I'm projecting Vatnins going to get around four. I think you put him on there with the top spot because he's like a half a point a game kind of guy. He's not, doesn't have the exact, the as much offensive production as Tanger, but I think he's good at, he's more well-rounded than Latang. I think he's like more average at everything other than Latang's like high peaks and low lows. And then, so you put him there with Dumo since Dumo's the defensive guy. And then one of these guys you can pair with Johnson, either, Tanov, who's I think is going to make like four and a half. Hamnick is going to make around four. Braun is going to make around probably three and a half, four. Gudis is probably going to make around, I'm going to say three, three and a half. Or Yan uh, Retta, who's two and a half to three. If you're trying to really shed salary and you want to get below that seven and a half, you're probably going to have to go with one of those two guys at the bottom, either Gudis or Retta. But if we could get... Chris Tanov or Travis Hamanick to play alongside of Johnson, I think that helps a shit ton. That is a very... That helps so much defensively.
1: Let me... I kind of want to have a glance at 21 to see what the defenseman would be in Because I think there's definitely a market of guys that are in that... Like, $2 million borderline where I think they could definitely get someone and make that work for a year. But I'm looking at... I kind of want to see what they have in 21, if that has a better outlook.
0: Uh, in, you're looking for like free agents then? Yeah. Uh, we're looking at Alex Edler, Matt Niskanen, Dougie Hamilton. Alex
1: Goligosky.
0: Uh, Goligoski, Jeff Petrie. He's going to make a lot of money though. He, he had a crazy good yeah. playoffs. Um, you're looking for righties: uh, Demers, David Savard, Adam Larson, Erica Branson. We better not bring back Good Branson. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, Steven Johns, Greg Paterin, Connor Carrick, Julian yeah. Ben. <laughs> yeah, right. Remember Jamie Alexiak? Remember when he was a Penguin?
1: Yeah, back in the day.
0: Um, a lot of a lot of nothing here, though, to be honest.
1: I know, that's what I'm kind of looking at. This is is very... um, This is the
0: season to do it.
1: Yeah, because looking at this, this is definitely where it's going to be like... This is basically where you're doing the get rid of Letang and bring
0: in another name. That's what this is looking like. Or or another two names. Maybe. Here's the thing, though, is if you're signing signing those guys, uh, any of these other free agents, it can't be for long term because... Marino's up next year and he's easy going to want four or 5 million. He's, he's played, he's earned it. He's played, if he plays as good next year as he had did this past season, he's going to deserve that kind of money. So you need the. I, I think what they're probably going to do, or what they might have to do is have to wait out and see like who, who's left after everyone like bids high on like the uh, Petrangelo Angelo Schultz, Barry, maybe even Vatnan, if he's in that conversation. As much as I'd like and on this team, I think that the Penguins might have to play the waiting game here and just see like who's left and who needs a contract.
1: That's what I'm th- yeah, I see what you mean. Because there I mean if you look at this, there's a lot of I don't want to say great names, but there's a lot of like I guess not terrible, I guess felt like wh- I don't want to call them a rental, but I guess I call them more of a feller. Because there's a few decent names, and I guess, like, what I would consider the feller category just to bite a Yeah. So, I, like, if they want to do that route, I guess, get a couple of these guys at two and just sign them for a year or two and whatever, because some of these guys are, like, older, so they're going to retire anyway.
0: So. I just – GMs are really stupid, and whenever – free agency comes around, they're very quick to like give a ton of money and a ton of term to these like middle guys. So honestly, as much as I'd like to see guys like Vatten and tanov or Hamannik on the pens, I feel like someone's going to come around and offer them a boatload of money with a lot of term. And that's going to kind of screw it up for the Penguins. So I'm thinking that, like, like I said, they're going to have to play the waiting game, see who's left. But I mean, if they're able to get any of the names that I listed, like – let alone two of them, I, like I'd be very happy. Uh, any of Vatninn, Tanov, Hamonic, Braun, Gudis, or Rutta. That, and but, but you need to be able to fill in. If you're getting rid of Latang, you have to fill in for his. If if you're getting rid of all of his offensive production, you better make up for it defensively. Because that's you want to you want to get better, right? Isn't that the whole yeah. point of getting rid of him? Um. Yep. Yeah, I
1: don't know. We're kind of at a weird meeting here, but.
0: All right. We spent a lot of time talking yeah, about
1: Yeah, I was this. gonna
0: say we should we'll move on. We will move on. Um speaking of penguin brush over these. speaking of Penguins Defenseman, uh, they re signed Yuso Ricola to two years at one point one five million, which personally I thought was kinda of surprising because they haven't been playing him very much uh in the past two I think he was, he's been here two seasons, right? Um I think so. Yes they they definitely haven't played him as much as i think but his um i think that they should but his advanced metrics like defensively he's proven that when he does play he's very good defensively he's We've definitely been
1: playing a lot this year
0: <laughs> he's definitely better than jack johnson so um reason. i think the re- the reason that they gave him two years i think it's uh i think they plan on using him more and they maybe they'll platoon him with johnson or they'll like give some guys some rest nights off because there, there needs to be something done there and he's a left-handed defenseman and it makes sense with his money that he could be that bottom pairing left-handed defenseman but someone's currently occupying that spot would who is it Troy what it's Jack Johnson Compo- uh... come on I I, I I threw you a fastball just I, uh, I out
1: there for like a second
0: it's okay um, so yeah, I, I think there's good potential for them to play him more now that they give, give they gave him this nice contract. Um, Mark Recchi, former assistant coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins, fo- does not waste a lot of time finding a new home. He signs with the New Jersey Devils, and I think last week I don't know if we talked about it. I know we talked about them firing everybody, but Jacques Martin got picked up by the Rangers. So all of the former coaches are finding homes and in the division. So this might come back to bite us in the ass, huh?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's the same thing that happened with, um, Todd Reardon. Yeah. I say, uh, then whenever we fired a uh, race we ended up in New Jersey, like three days oh, later or something.
0: That, that too. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. think about that. But, um, yeah, I think the devils are kind of like penguins junior. A lot of, uh, former penguins go to New Jersey.
1: That's what happened. It's like the Rangers and the lightning, except
0: the opposite way around. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, McDonough, Shattenkirk. Yeah,
1: it's like they literally have like half of their 14 team, that, that like early 2010s team.
0: So what you're saying is Lundquist to the Lightning, right?
1: Maybe. I'm thinking, um, <laughs> yeah, Sidney Crosby is going to be at the age of uh, 47, is going to be the starting center for the New Jersey Devils. <laughs>
0: hey, that's an upgrade over what they got now
1: yeah, you're not kidding
0: um some news came out obviously last week we talked about the coyotes losing their draft picks and um ever since they got new ownership, they were talking about uh the big thing has been oh they're they're not low on money you know they have all the money now because their owners are casino owners so everyone's been saying that they uh aren't gonna be as cash poor as they've been well they were late on uh giving signing bonuses to their players. there's a handful of players that missed out on couple million dollar bonuses just because the Coyotes didn't have the money. They didn't have the money to give the players whenever it was scheduled for them to get, which is pretty interesting. Uh, and another thing that came out of Arizona over this past week is that their GM job, ever since John Chaka left, they've been interviewing some guys. Pierre Maguire was one of the interviews. He has since been uh, kicked out of the running, but how great would that have been?
1: I I don't know I don't know that I don't know that I could make it through the interview listening to him, trying to interview for the uh, <laughs> GM job, but like it would just be weird. like I don't know. I feel like I think it would just be weird. It would just be really strange. Like, what if, like, Greg Brown for the Pirates went and took over for the Pirates? I mean, that would be great, like, literally having anybody else. But, like, that
0: would just be weird. It would be. he, he he'd been a coach in the past. Uh, he'd been in management with the Penguins, I think, in the past. So, he has experience. It's just he's been on TV so long. It, uh, our generation knows him as the guy on TV, not as the guy who was in management or a coach. So it'd be kind of crazy to see him leave that between the ben- – as, as crazy as I – I mean, as much as I don't care for his analysis, it'd be kind of weird to see him not between the glass, instead being the Arizona Coyotes general manager. I don't know. It just – it beats me. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, we'll get into the goalie stuff next week. I know I said we do it this week, but we're running out of time here. We spent a lot of time on Latang, which I don't mind. It turned out pretty well. Um yes. Quick aside, something I found on Twitter last week that I wanted to talk about last week, but we didn't get to. Um, I did find uh, the Ottawa Senators crazy owner, Eugene Melnick has a burner account on Twitter. Oh
1: yes, you sent me this.
0: It is hilarious. So it's uh, JackMax14140182 on Twitter uh as a thousand followers because everyone is now aware that this has to be this dude's twitter account
1: how do they know it's him
0: dude oh my god did you go through did you look at his freaking uh twitter
1: i know but like still
0: here okay here's a tweet from the senators and it was a statement from eugene melnick about how um how they're going to be rebuilding and like the, whenever they got their draft pick It was after the draft lawyer. That was it. He did this big statement and it was released on Ottawa's Twitter. Like the senators official Twitter. He quote tweets it and says, well said by our owner at Melnick Eugene. It's not easy doing what you did. You did what weak owners fear you ignored what was easy and did what was right for us. A carefully laid plan, not rushed, not foolish. Now city is buzzing with two top five picks. Amazing job. Go sends go The next tweet. The, 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 all of his tweets are about himself. So yeah,
1: I'm, looking at, I'm scrolling down. It's worth the bottom.
0: It's uh, it's incredible. It's so funny. It's if you have a chance, check it out. It's so worth it. I just wanted to bring that up real quick. And it, if it's not him, it's somebody pretending to be him, which is hysterical, too. Nonetheless, it's funny. Um, that's all for hockey news for the day. We're gonna get past some. Of the, we're gonna get through some of the rest of this pretty quickly. Last night, the Atlanta Braves set an NL modern era record by hanging up 29 runs on the Miami Marlins. Miami Marlins team that's been surprising this season, been pretty played pretty well. Just had the NL record amount of runs scored on them. How about that, Troy? How about it?
1: I I don't know because I I'm almost. This- because I believe the record for all time runs in one game by one team is like thirty seven. I think. You're. I don't know. I'm kind of at the point of where like. Were they like like I don't know? Because I feel like once you hit, because I believe it was the Brewers. Who someone had nineteen runs last night too. Yeah, the Brewers beat the Tigers nineteen to nothing. Is there a point of where it's like disrespectful? Because didn't we have something like this earlier in the season where someone was getting absolutely just mutilated? Like, is there a point of where like the margin has to be so far that it's like it's kind of like the unwritten rule where it's just like just get it over with and move on? Because I mean, it was nonstop. They just curb stomped them. Seven, this and the uh, seven, they hit four, the six, they hit three, and at this point, the Marlins haven't scored since the fourth, and they had eight runs then. And it just seems like it kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse.
0: My but, favorite, my favorite part of that that you kind of brushed over was the fact that the Brewers beat the Tigers nineteen nothing last night, and not a single word was said about it because of how crazy the uh, Braves game was. <laughs>
1: That's yeah, insane. well, this is the thing: It's like the Marlins scored nine runs, so in literally any other game that they were put in. If they played, I, yeah. If they played any other team last night except for the Brewers or the Giants, they would have won. <laughs> so at least they put up nine runs, whereas the Tigers, I yeah, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you that. That's just embarrassing. They had two hits too. I think that was the best part. They had two hits.
0: and also not enough is being said about the fact that um. Well, the starting pitcher for the Marlins, uh, Pablo Lopez, he led up seven runs, seven earned runs in an inning and, and two thirds. The next guy they put in was a uh, up-and-coming pitcher, Jordan Yamamoto. He's a pre- he's a pretty uh, high potential pitcher. In two and two-thirds innings, he allowed twelve earned runs. In two and two-thirds innings, his ERA now is a whopping eighteen point two six imagine how, like, low his confidence is this morning. Oh, my God. Um, Absolutely curb-stomped. And um, three players on the Braves had more than five or more RBIs. That was Acuna Jr., Freddie Freeman, and Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall, who had three homers and nine RBIs. Everybody on the team, except for one starter, Dansby Swanson, had an RBI. Everyone except one unreal and there's and the brave starting pitcher was tommy malone who in three and a third innings allowed eight runs most of the time you do that you're going to get the loss eight runs and three and a third and he he didn't get the win but his team unbelievable um so yeah i would just- like
1: to point out that everybody on the i believe yeah everybody on the Braves side at least one hit Majority have had had over two. Everyone, if you look ex- at
0: it. yeah, everyone except for Azuna and uh, uh, what's the dude's name? Henshi Azuna had
1: one hit.
0: Yeah, all the starters had multiple hits except Azuna. Yeah, That's crazy. And they all they all had. Oh my God! They all had. Every starter had a run. Every starter had multiple runs except for <laughs> Azuna. Look at it's Sw- unbelievable. Swanson, Riley, and Duvall all had five runs. That's a Little League game. That's literally a Little League game. Yeah, that's impressive. League. So congrats to the Atlanta Braves on that game. I mean, I, I, I know you said that the, about the unwritten role. I'm of the belief that you play until the final minute. Until yeah, you're told I, not to play anymore, you try as hard as you can. And that's what they did. They curb-stomped them. Yeah,
1: but what's his face? He got butt hurt last week because they made him apologize for hitting home runs like a couple weeks ago. And yeah. they were just – yeah. I guess, but it's like if you're gonna play that role, then I guess this is technically unacceptable. But you know, whatever. I don't uh, know. In all, fair, in all fairness, if you're making however many millions these guys are making, wouldn't you kind of want to go out there and show that you can absolutely pulverize? Like, if you get like five hits of the game, why wouldn't you?
0: If if I can get nine RBIs and a if you get nine RBIs in a professional baseball game, like do it. Don't let Don't. Don't. You're, don't you're let doing up to nothing to say
1: more feelings. than stats at this point. But in all fairness, they really – I mean, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, you're really like, – it's your contract. Nobody else's, so.
0: It's true. Uh, only other baseball thing that I have written down is um, – I think it was uh, over the past week sometime, Clayton Kershaw was talking about the extra innings role, about how they uh, put the guy on second in the extra innings. He referred to that as not real baseball. And I have to agree – I think it is kind of stupid, but the reason they're doing it is because of how wacky the season and everything it, did. Was that a role before COVID or was it not?
1: I think it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be implemented for this season. I believe it was for like the normal season. Cause okay. it was in the talks. I, I, I don't know. I don't like it. I kind of like the, I guess from like a fan perspective is I've been to a couple Um, Pirates games where they've gone into like 15 or like I think the longest game I was, they hit like 18 innings and I remember I was there, I think I left it 1 in the morning, I mean it was just ridiculous, like we were there forever but it was kind of fun but I don't know, I mean I kind of get it but it seems like most of these games anyway ended up finishing around the what, 11th or 12th I would say Somewhere around there, they normally like normally it ended up. Whereas now, I think they're really only making it to the ten. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's kind of dumb. I, I'm not that big of a fan. But in all fairness, the double headers they're making um, seven innings anyway. So I feel like that's not real baseball. If you're re- if you're gonna say that, I that I mean you're playing seven innings.
0: Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's what I was gonna say too. Like, if, yeah, it's if, you, like, if you have the problem with the guy going on second, then you should also have a problem with the fact that they're playing seven inning games. Yeah, that's, I think okay.
1: that's more that's more BS than the because at least with the, the um with the guy on second after nine, at least you already played the whole game. Whereas this, it's just like. You play seven innings and it, it goes in the, you're in the top of the eighth and there's a guy on second or something. I'm like, like, really? Like baseball in its nature is going to be a pretty long game. I mean, yeah, like you're not going to put it at like, you're not going to be able to put it at NHL level where it's, you know, maybe two hours and you're going home. But.
0: We are, I don't know. We're running out of time, so quickly I want to get through just this last stuff real quick. Uh, tonight is opening night for the NFL season. It is Chiefs Texans, so a, uh, a a matchup of two really good young uh, teams. I think the Chiefs are going to win handily, but you never know. This will be
1: this will be an interesting one because um, there was no preseason, so this is no. really the first. Thing that, I mean, besides, I guess the scrimmages against yourself. This is real. I mean, this is really it.
0: So. With, how, with how starved uh, America is for America for football, uh, expect this to be one of the highest rated opening nights in football history, or at least one of the highest rated uh, like on TV uh, Thursday night football games probably ever because people, oh, want, yeah. people have wanted football for so long. We've been without it for so long and uh, we're, we're getting it back. And here we go. Let's let's just get right into it. You know? Well,
1: between that and the no-call-it season, I'd imagine their ratings are going to explode anyway.
0: Yeah, and uh, there some teams have gotten the approval for in-person games uh, Like, it's some attendance, but we'll get into that next week. There's a bunch of teams that have different roles. We're not going to get into all the specifics. Only other football thing I have is that this past week – actually, there's a personal note I want to talk about but after after this. um, The Steelers cut their punter, Jordan Berry. He was a punter for the past few seasons. And they signed a longtime Chiefs punter, Dustin Colquitt, who's been one of the premier punters in the league for the past decade, decade and a half. And his father was actually a uh, Pittsburgh Steeler back in the 70s whenever they were – winning all the super bowls quick personal note uh i work at a restaurant here in pittsburgh and three steelers came up the other night uh to get dinner one of them being the backup quarterback mason rudolph and uh none of them were wearing masks i had to tell them all to put masks on
1: <laughs> what was their response were they like okay or were they just like
0: mason and uh one of the offensive linemen? uh had them they had masks they just weren't wearing them but they did put them on pretty easily the one dude i i didn't even know who this guy was but i know he's a stealer he didn't have a mask at all so we had to sell him one like how do you not have a mask it's freaking uh it's september 10th we've been going through this for six months and you don't have a mask? are you an idiot
1: uh, i was just wondering if any of them like put up a fight
0: or just like oh yeah whoops no but people like noticed them right away that they were Steelers. like the the, yeah. th- the table like next to the host end was like hey I got some pittsburgh Steelers in the house and they yeah. just like put their heads on they're like hello but um
1: i think i've, I think I've only like done that once because i remember i walked coming down here i walked into a grocery store one time and i was like failing with my thing and i walked in and i like completely I, I had it like like down because i have one of those like the full neck ones yeah. and i was like fiddling with like my wallet or something and i like they said to put it on. And I was like, I feel like an idiot now. Like it's like the normal. I I walked in to go get a cart, and I was like, oh crap.
0: At least you felt bad about it. Most of the people that don't wear it, like, are like, they're proud that they don't wear a mask. I'm not. not a, I'm saying, not a you, sheep.
1: That was that was like fiddling with my phone or something, and I walked in. I was like, oh crap.
0: Quick side note: Mason Rudolph is a very handsome man. Oh god, dude, that guy came in and like man, rocket any room he walks into he is the most attractive person in the room bar none he has to be like one of the most attractive stealers he's i i was just so i i never looked at him before and i was just and then he came in and i was like that's a good looking guy right there you know like how how like how why is he here he should be somewhere else like doing you know attractive people things not at my restaurant like get the hell out but anyways that was pretty interesting that's the i guess i've seen four stealers up there now so you know, we got a little uh, little group forming up there. Um, we only have one more thing left, and that's tennis. We talked about how Novak Djokovic and some other high-profile tennis players are starting their own Players Association Union thing. And then the following week, uh, in frustration, Novak Djokovic uh, takes a ball and beans it behind the court, hits the ball girl right in the neck, and he forfeited the match. <laughs> Oh man, that's that's a bad look, man, when you're trying to uh be like, Oh yeah, we're independent, we don't need you and then you just bean somebody. <laughs> I like
1: how we've somehow managed to cover more tennis by talking about it for thirty seconds an episode in the past two weeks than we have in the entire like I guess year that this thing existed. Like we started this in what, February?
0: Like right before COVID, like January, February, yeah. I don't
1: yeah, and then you cancel everything. It's like three episodes, in. Nah, eh, whoopsies, world's over.
0: Hey, we're having fun now. Yeah, you're right. We, we, we've hit our groove. Uh, I think that's all we have to talk about today. Is there anything else you want to say?
1: No, not really. I have class at 345, so I got to change and make the hike over. But...
0: All right, well, then we're going to head out. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Unit Report. Follow us on Twitter at The Unit Report. Uh, I'm Lucas. That's Troy, and we will see you guys next episode. We'll see you. See ya.